Star Wars Action News is brought to you in part by Dorkside Toys. At DorksideToys.com, you can get the latest Star Wars toys, as well as Marvel, G.I. Joe, The Walking Dead, and more. Run by toy fans, you can be assured your order will be given great attention and packed with care. Sign up to their social channels now for stock alerts, reviews, and toy and movie news. DorksideToys.com. You'd be a dork not to shop there. Welcome to Star Wars Action News, your source for Star Wars collecting news, reviews, and updates, hosted by Marjorie and Arnie, helping Star Wars collectors collect better. Be sure to check out our website at SWActionNews.com, where you can see photos of the items discussed, chat with other Star Wars Action News listeners, and much more, including information on how you can be part of the show. Welcome to Star Wars Action News. This is Marjorie, and we're coming to you live from C2E2 in Chicago. This is Arnie, and we have joining us... Hello, this is Daryl, one of the video uh, podcast enhancers. But we are here at C2E2. How many years in a row is this for us? Four, five? How long have they been having it? Yeah, we missed one in between, but always a great show. Came out, Delray was here, had a books panel, Marvel was here, had some comic panels, Artist Alley, toy vendors. Just kind of start, Daryl, what did you buy? Uh, I overspent at this con. Um, unfortunately, so say we all. Yes. Uh, Bluefin Distribution was here, which oh, does yeah. the Tamashi Nations, the Egg Attack, uh, some model kits and everything. So I do have an uh, affinity for those Egg Attack figures. And I bought both the Shadow Trooper, which I had not seen before. Ooh. And since I already had the uh, Darth Vader uh, on Carbonite Freezing Chamber base and did not realize that that was more of a statue and you still had to buy the regular figure, I ended up purchasing both of those items. Uh, how much was the Shadow Trooper? Uh, the Shadow Trooper was 110 I believe. Uh, that's not bad. Not I, bad. It's right by the exit. We're walking past that on the way out. Yeah, I know. Daryl was goading you into the booth yesterday, and he's just waiting there. Like, he had this, you know, cat with a bird-eating grin on his face just waiting for you to go through and spend as much money as he had. Yes, that uh, the Shadow Trooper is no Hulkbuster statue. No, no. <laughs> but what they also had there that you... I, if you hadn't pointed me in the booth, I wouldn't have noticed was the original movie realization Darth Vader. And a few weeks ago when we reviewed the Ronin Boba Fett, we were talking about how that's a hard-to-get figure, and it goes for about 150 160 these days when you can find it usually on eBay. Bluefin, being the distributor, had them here for $100, and that's a really tempting thing. More because it's so hard to get. It's the one without the giant Death Star crescent on his head. Right. I think they had both of them here, but you could still get that first uh, iteration of it. I did see it on the floor in another booth for $150 as well. Yeah. It, it's so hard when something's tempting because it's rare, but I passed on it earlier because of the teeth and everything, and... But I really liked the Boba Fett. So I hemmed, I hawed, I ended up passing, but it was really, really tempting. It was possibly the best discount find here at the show to find it at retail. But we're going by it again on the way out, so things may change and there may be an update. I, I, somebody's, I think, itching here. I actually did come with, like, checkbook open, metaphorically, because who writes checks anymore? Because I wanted some really nice Star Wars figures here. And I'm not talking to Hasbro Black Series or anything. I'm always open to finding vintage items or anything like that that I happen to stumble upon. But I was specifically looking for things like the stuff Bluefin sells. Not necessarily Egg Attack, but looking for some of the other brands too, like the Figure Arts figures. I have yet to get a Star Wars Figure Arts figure. We, we were only able to find a... I saw two on the floor. We went back later with you, and there was only one left. Um, it was a little overpriced from what we saw. 
Um, so the, the Bandai is, is kind of hard to find. There was lots of vendors that had kind of foreign import toys, but just not, none of the Star Wars. Ton of figure arts figures, but here's what I noticed is Star Wars isn't licensed for American distribution because Hasbro might get a little jumpy if other companies in the United States start selling six-inch figures. I found a ton of the figure arts for the Batman line and for the Bruce Lee and Alien and things like that. But what I wasn't seeing was a lot of the import ones that you can't get in the States, which are specifically the Marvel and Star Wars lines. I'm right in that. They, you can't go to Barnes & Noble and pick up a figure art Star Wars. No, I've never, never seen them uh, other than online shops that kind of do some importing themselves. Yeah, it's all the licensees that have jumped into the game since Disney took over. It's a little hard to keep straight, but there was not much of this import stuff here. I found a First Order Stormtrooper, the only figure arts figure I found, $75. I was tempted, but then Amazon had it prime shipping for about 55 so I decided 20 bucks is 20 bucks. There's something fun about taking it home from the con. There's something also fun about having 20 more dollars in your wallet. Well, this is the dangerous part, and I think it's funny because we spent all day with Daryl yesterday roaming the floor, just shopping and everything like that, and Daryl maybe hadn't observed this in the past, but how you buy things is you go, you're like, how much is it on eBay? How much is it on Amazon? Oh, yeah, just ordered it. Thanks. I got more money to spend at the convention now. Yes, I got very good at spending your money. Yes, you did. (laughs) There were three separate instances of me finding things in booths and then checking to see if the prices were fair, and then buying them on Amazon. And there was the, I got a figure art Stormtrooper and a figure art Darth Maul, because I, when I was talking about the figure arts, everybody, we had a huge group for dinner last night, it was a lot of fun, and I just kept hearing from all sides, Justin and you, and the, the Sandovals, all telling me the Darth Maul is the figure arts figure to get. And you know, a superposable, highly detailed Darth Maul, I'm always down for that. So I ordered him. He's a little pricier, but still in the $60 range. One thing I found out from a friend who does do all the figure arts, uh, he has the Darth Maul in hand, and it actually separates at the waist. It's kind of a hidden feature. They don't... uh, It's more the, the way that it's set up just in the articulation that you can do that. It's not necessarily a feature, but it is able to kind of be hidden with these robes and stuff, so he does get split in half if you want to pull him apart. Nice. Need the episode one Obi-Wan to pose with that and just like be standing over the bisected body or something. But I was looking for a figure arts or a Mathex or, you know, some of the higher end figures. And there was not a lack of Star Wars here if I wanted to spend a $110 on the Darth Maul Hasbro 6-inch Black Series or overpay for... Some places had... Black Series figures at MSRP of 20 bucks or so. If you wanted a Constable Zuvio, I think you could get it for 10 Yeah, <laughs> that's about right for a character not in the movie. Well, keep in mind, though, we're in March, so this is you know kind of the kickoff of convention season. So I think prices are higher as people think, oh, yeah, we're going to make all this money. And then as you go throughout the year, we notice by the time you get to Chicago Wizard World, prices are kind of low, and on Sunday you can bargain a lot because they don't want to have to store it for the winter. But to see Jakku Finn for $45, it's like, uh, what are you smoking? And are you selling that too? You know the Disney Elite figures, the Ray with the BB-8 and the lightsaber that is still in the stores? I did see someone had $100 on it. Wow. Are you sure it was the one with the lightsaber? Yes, it was with the lightsaber because I looked. Yeah, because that's the second release. I'd be able to see the first release without it perhaps going for a bit more i don't know all the force awakens ones appear readily available and all of the original trilogy ones appear to have sold out and really be harder to find yeah they they've really jumped in price those first few that came out not the not the force awakens one but i know i saw a, a grievous for 200 i believe Ooh. um i know people are still searching for that boba fett a lot of places and those have really kind of skyrocketed especially since the line is kind of closed now is, are they done uh, from what I have heard, yes, they have stopped that line. I don't know if it'll come out later, maybe with you know episode eight. Uh, I don't think they're planning on doing any for Rogue One. So, I, as far as what I've heard, uh, I don't think I've heard anything official. Official, but kind of everyone has no plans of hearing anything about any new releases in that line. 
Wow, okay, a little stress off of me for having to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning to order after that Boba Fett. And again, thank you to the gentleman who helped me out to get one when they sold out too quick online. Speaking of selling out fast online, one thing I did before coming here was I cataloged all of my John Tyler Christopher vintage action figure variant covers because I'd accidentally gotten a couple extras and I had not gotten a couple. And it turned out I was very lucky. I was current, save for issues 15 and 16, Snaggletooth and Death Star Droid. Now, doesn't that line kind of jump comic license, or not license, but comic names? Yeah, I mean, Vader Down issue one has one. Poe Dameron that's coming out is going to have one. The black and white variant was for sale directly from the artist on his website. I don't do the black and white variants, thank God, because... I just like how they look painted, you know? I don't need the black and white. And But they seem to only do issues one, and then they do something outside of the vintage line. Like Anakin and Obi-Wan came with a Phantom Menace Anakin versus they seem to be kind of going through the 12-back and the 20-back on the main Star Wars line. And the others, to my knowledge, have only had issue one variant covers, whereas every issue of Star Wars, the main comic, has had one coming. And I didn't have the two. You kind of worried me because you told me the Death Star droid was pricey. Yeah, I I don't collect them myself. Uh, kind of sounds like it's kind of hard to keep up with, you know, which is going here and there. And uh, but I have some friends that do collect them, and they they have told me that some of those are getting very rare to find. I know the Han was always the the tough one before, but I think some of these later issues have been tougher to find as well. I've been pretty much or- pre-ordering them at Midtown Comics, but. Midtown Comics isn't great. I can't log in too easily and just see a checklist of everything I've pre-ordered. It's not like Amazon where if I go on their site and see something that says you ordered this item on, which I love on Amazon because it saves me a lot of dupes. (laughs) But I missed 15 and 16. I found them here for eight bucks a piece. I was lucky at Indiana Comic-Con last year. I found that Han for cover price, or 10 bucks, all of them. I like loaded up and helped some friends out with that Han. Yeah, the, the guy in the booth here had the Han for 60, I believe he was asking. But he was a really nice guy. The guy in front of me had taken the last Death Star droid, and the vendor, like, searched through every box and found one more Death Star droid for me. And that was for an $8 comic, for him to go through that much searching. And he, being a comics professional, gave me some words of wisdom. Stop dicking around with these and order them, because every issue of a comic usually sells less than the issue before. That's why they keep relaunching with issue one, is you get the most sales with an issue one, and then the sales just decline. And because these are incentive covers, what's going to happen is more and more stores are going to reduce their orders to meet the demand, and then they're not going to get the incentive covers. Now, you go to someplace like Midtown Comics, they're always going to order enough. They get every incentive cover. They may charge you a lot for it, but they get them. But your local comic stores, if they've been having these in the past, the day may come fairly soon that these are really hard to get and the value of them will increase. And I'm not a scalper. I'm not buying speculatively to increase. I just don't want to pay more. So when I say the value will increase, that means I'm going to get ripped off if I don't pre-order. So I am going to take that advice to heart. I have my full checklist. I am set. I have everyone, including that hard to get Boba Fett. I did overpay at C2E2 last year for that, 40 bucks. Ouch. Well, from the artist himself. Okay, that's a little better. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. He was here. Great guy. And I'm just going to now keep up with that. But that was, it was good to kind of complete that little checklist. Yeah. Uh, And and speaking of vintage, I did pick up a vintage figure here. Uh, The Power of the Force uh, Ben Kenobi. I uh, got it from a guy that I've I've known about his shop before, but it's kind of an odd situation where you have to call for an appointment to see what he has, and it's kind of kind of a strange setup. But uh, he was here displaying on the show floor. Uh, got a nice AFA graded uh, Power of the Force figure, so I was very happy with that. AFA eighty, right? Correct. Correct. That is that is great condition for. I mean, we're talking a what thirty one year old figure now. Yeah. <laughs> As we all sit here and think, wait, how old am I? <laughs> yeah, the figure is almost as old as we are. Almost. That The percentage gets smaller as we get older of how close it is to us in age. Yes. But it's 
really look cool. And I did look through that booth at some vintage items. I was telling you, Daryl, when it comes to vintage package, vintage mint on card, vintage loose, I'm still in the market for like the last three figures I don't have, the TIE Fighter Pilot, the Yak Face. But vintage mint on card, it's got to be the right figure at the right time at the right price, you know? Yeah, that and this was. Uh, you know, I've kind of slowly expanded my Power of the Force line over the years. And, you know, I try to get one or two a year. I don't go crazy on them. But uh, it was at a very good price, very happy with it, great condition. Uh, overall vintage here at the con, there was maybe five or six booths that had some decent amount, mostly loose and stuff. Um, one comic vendor had a lot of carded, but they were kind of overpriced for, for my consideration. So, But overall, it was a decent con for vintage. Yeah, I saw mostly, again, Power of the Force, Return of the Jedi stuff, which is the most abundant stuff to find. But yeah, a couple booths did have Star Wars figures and Empire Strikes Back figures as well. I saw... A real nice Return of the Jedi Greedo. It looked great on card and things. And if I were to ever pick a figure to get every card iteration for, it would be Greedo. So I, I thought about it, but I just decided, nah, this this hasn't been a cheap con for me as far as collectibles go. And again, right figure, right price, right time. Right price at this con was not going to probably happen. Yeah, I, I think that Daryl is like the devil on your shoulder. And it was very expensive. Poverty loves company? <laughs> we don't need to eat next week. It's okay. And Marjorie, you got a few things here. I did. I picked up some BB-8 earrings, and they were super cute. They're little danglers, and really, they're chrome and wide, and the orange are super cute. This con is like the con of BB-8. Of course, the best cosplay, as deemed by us and everyone else on the internet, BB Skate. She was adorable. It was this little girl, she was maybe like four or five, and she had a little BB-8, kind of like a skater outfit with a frou-frou tutu on it that her mom had painted little BB-8 circles on it, and then she was on roller skates and she had the bike helmet on. And I actually had ran into them just as she put the outfit on, so I think we were the ones to get the first picture of her. She was so cute, and she was having a ball with everybody, telling everyone she was BB Skate. And then the BB-8 races they were doing for charity and these earrings. I mean, BB-8 is everywhere. That 8 needs to be turned sideways BB-Infinity. Yeah, he, he is the star. And then you got a cool figure. I did. Uh, thanks to Jake Stevens over at From Forlom to Zuckus. He wanted me to pick up something for him at Battle Babies. And it was a custom vintage looking old Luke from The Force Awakens. And these guys not only took it and made old-looking Luke, but they made a custom card back that's vinyl. The bubble is resealable, so you can take them out and play with them and then put them back on the bubble. Super awesome. They were $60. They still had some left as of Saturday afternoon. There were only 60 of them. No, 20 of them. There were only 20 of them, and they were $60. Yeah, I went by their booth and looked at some of their other figures. They had ones that looked less Star Wars-y, but were obviously Star Wars figures. They had a Captain Phasma that honestly looks better than any that the Hasbros put out. It wasn't a Phasma, actually. It was a bootleg series of toys they do, and so they look vaguely Star wars but they're not, and they did those last year. That's their last year run. Yeah, but Captain Chroma is obviously Captain Phasma, but I've done a little bit of modeling and customizing. It looks like they used the high metallic chrome paint like you find in the automotive section instead of in the modeling section or something. She was really reflective. Yeah, it was great, and they had a bunch of other custom figures. They had like an Andre the Giant, they live figure. Really cool stuff, really worth it. Check them out, they're called Battle Babies. I also had a lot of fun in Artist Alley, and we both got a couple of prints or designs from one booth. It actually wasn't in Artist Alley. It was in aisle 100 right near the entrance from Jason Oaks, and his website is j2artist.com. I think we walked past. He did these kind of prints that were heat transferred onto wood or onto canvas, and it takes about an hour to do, they said because they could do them custom for you. And I think we were both drawn to this attack on Hoth's piece that just on the wood was really high gloss. But the way it looks, because it's a transfer, it looks like it was painted. It looks like an original. Yeah, it looks like an actual oil painting on, on this piece of wood. And on the canvas, it looked even more so. But the canvases, those were 100 or 150, depending on the size of the canvas. I was really impressed. This wood is probably 20 inches by 12 inches. 
and it was $35. And I'm like, all right. You and I, I was like, Daryl, if you love this, you can have it. But if you don't, I, I really kind of want it. And then they told us there were that they could do more of them, so it wasn't a problem. But <laughs> I just ended up with just a regular art print of it uh, and then also got an ATST version uh, as well. Yeah, all of their stuff was kind of splatter style with paint smearing and kind of spraying, which to me worked better in some prints than others. And so I ended up not getting any of the prints or any more of the wood stuff, but this one on Hoth, the white and the blue was just really striking. It looked great on the machines, but not so great on people is what it boiled down to. I mean, I think they did a really good job on the AT-ATs and the ATSTs because it, it works because there's, there's clean lines, but they're kind of fuzzy a little bit and it's got some good pops of color in there like there's some oranges and some greens in the ad at and it really makes it pop but with the person it just it didn't work you know what i'm noticing though with your print and the wood thing sitting here in front of us the colors when they transfer it to wood are like intensely bright it's like if we had two televisions yours is your tv at home settings where you want good rich skin tones and things and mine is the tv on the in-store display where they have like the saturation up to get your attention in a store with a hundred other TVs around it. Yes, it is definitely uh, more vibrant on the wood transfer. And then I also found an artist in Artist Alley and I saw his prints and I just immediately stopped and gave him money. His name was, I believe, Thetonus. It is T-H-E-T-O-N-U-S on Twitter or .com for his website. And he does hand over the hero prints, which are just these hands, and they're holding what look to be characters in various stuffed animal poses. And they had Spider-Man, and they had Homer Simpson. Well, they had one that I just had to walk away with. It was Boba Fett looking like a stuffed doll, kind of like a claw machine thing. But instead of human hands, it was a Sarlacc tentacle kind of handing him over. And that was just a lot of fun. I, I saw that artist. I did not see that print, that uh, piece. So I'll be definitely interested to see your picture of it. Yeah, I can walk you right back there if you want it because his prints were also very reasonable, $10 a piece. And then I may need you to carry something over to England for me if you don't mind because he had one left. He had only brought two of a certain Admiral Akbar being handed over. I had a friend who I thought over in the UK might appreciate it, so I grabbed it for him. He might like that, yes. Yeah, and I also uh, did had an artist do a commission for me of a little uh, funky-looking emperor. Uh, his goes by Loco Duck Studios, but his name is Michael Duran. Have do you, you had him do art for you before? I don't think so. Then uh, Chris... Jedi Yoda 7 on the forums has because I have been at a con where they are hunting down Loco Duck. I mean, you don't forget Loco Duck. <laughs> no, no. And he does these kind of cutesy little pieces, uh, you know, um, kind of the pop vinyl kind of styling or something close to that. Yeah, it, it was Chris because we went and looked for him somewhere and I don't remember, a Celebration maybe? Or Wizard World, I don't know. I love Loco Duck stuff. Your little emperor is so adorable. I'm, oh my gosh, he's so cute. I'm very, very happy with it. Yeah, it was great. It reminds me of the Jake style a little bit in that he's really short, you know? It's kind of like you've scrunched him down so he's the same width and height, but it has like the great design and you've got a black and white and you were talking to me before and said well it's the emperor of course I always get black and white because it saves money and then they usually throw a little blue on there for free and sure and enough he did. <laughs> I was thinking about that as you picked it up I'm like yep there's the free blue you were talking about <laughs> that good old force lightning but it was a fun con I went to the Delray books panel and they didn't have a whole lot of news I can't really say that they talked about too much. The biggest news was that this fall they're releasing a new novel that is going to be a lead-in to Rogue One, so there'll be kind of a prequel novel there. I also went to the Marvel Unlimited panel where they showed some pages from upcoming Star Wars comics that'll be out in a week or two weeks, but there was the highlight of that panel. You know, I, I'm kind of iffy on the Marvel Comics news. I buy them all. I read some of them. But going in and seeing, oh, this is going to be happening, here's some pages from Poe Dameron 1 that has uh, a Duro X-Wing pilot in it. All right, it's kind of interesting news. But Jordan White is the editor of the Star Wars comics for Marvel. And he was pressured into pulling out a ukulele and giving a rendition of Nyub Nyub. 
And he didn't just do like the chorus. He started with nyub nyub, chica nyub nyub, and ended with hallelujah and did the entire thing solo on a ukulele. I think I now want Arnie to sing it. <laughs> I think we tried that once to end a show. It didn't work out well for us. He did have a smartphone giving him the lyrics, whereas we tried to ad-lib it, and we realized we all thought it said different things, and we thought it said celebrate the love at the end, whereas he went with the Lucas-approved lyrics where the Ewoks never speak English. But it was something I would never imagined would be amazing. Now, somebody was on the Marvel panel because we had to power off our phones, but somebody up there on stage was filming the whole thing. If you can find this, he flubbed a couple bits because I think he was nervous doing an impromptu performance, but Google Jordan White Ewok or something. Go to Twitter, see if you can find this. It was amazing. It was probably the highlight of my con was watching this impromptu ukulele performance. It sounds like that was something to see, and that's kind of fun. Given that they didn't show a single frame of Civil War or Doctor Strange, yes, that was the highlight of the panel for me. Man, I was really hoping you'd come back with some of that you could relay to us in a dramatic interpretation of any Civil War or Doctor Strange footage. Not a lot of Star Wars programming, certainly not a lot of Star Wars guests. They had a lot of spotlight guests. We met John Cusack. I mean, not Star Wars related, unless he's in, like, episode 21. As really old Poe Dameron. Wait, wait, how many years away is that now? I, he might be middle-aged Poe Dameron. I'm not sure. We'll be dead. But it was a fun con. It was kind of an expensive con. We'll talk about it a little bit more on Marvelicious. Of course, the best part of any con, beyond even a ukulele performance, is getting to hang out with Daryl and Justin and son of Justin made the drive from Omaha, and Alex and his friend and Sharon and the Sandovals, Bobby, Chris, and Rachel. The Fenricks came. Can't believe. If you go into our deep archives, you'll hear Owen Cheddar do the youth report when he was single-digit age talking about toys. Yeah, and now he's going to be driving soon. Now, something else I saw at a couple booths here were Star Wars Hot Toys. I really can only remember seeing the First Order TIE Fighter clearly. There were a couple others out there of the original trilogy. First Order TIE Fighter was out there. I was still looking for more of the smaller figures, but if I was looking for some of the larger Hot Toys, they were here. I did not see anything that sold out, though, like that Stormtrooper 2-pack or anything. No, I, the the Hot Toys were few and far between here. Uh, I think there was a, the First Order Stormtrooper 2-pack as well. Yeah, the First Order 2-pack was here. But here to talk to us about a couple more of his Hot Toys acquisitions is Hot Toys Addict Andrew. Hey everybody, Andrew here again, and I'd like to take you back to the very first Hot Toys review I ever did for Star Wars Action News. No, I'm not talking about the first Hot Toys figure that shipped, that was the Shadow Trooper. I'm talking about the figure that was released in late 2012, Bespin Luke. This was the figure that started me down this path, and... I bring it up only because it was such a great figure of my favorite character from that galaxy far, far away. But Bespin Luke will never be quite as iconic to me as Luke from A New Hope. Maybe it's because Farm Boy Luke was the only Luke Skywalker action figure that I had from Kenner as a child. Maybe it's because of that iconic scene when he finally says his full name for the first time disguised as a stormtrooper. Whatever the reason, my first introduction to Luke Skywalker made a lasting impression on me as a child and it has stuck with me to this day. So naturally, I was really excited when Hot Toys announced that they'd be making another Luke Skywalker, but this time from that first movie. And then I was slightly annoyed only one month later when they announced a second Luke from the same movie, this time disguised as a Stormtrooper. I'll, I'll save my actual thoughts about the Stormtrooper Luke for later on in this review, but to start off, let's get right into the figure of Farm Boy Luke. If you remember, one of the things that I was most impressed about the Bespin Luke figure was the facial likeness. And this one rises to the expectation and might actually be slightly better of a representation of Mark Hamill. Unfortunately, this head doesn't have that amazing eyeball articulation from the Bespin Luke, but thankfully he does have a much improved neck articulation with a double ball socket joint in the base of the head. Although tilting his head up is limited thanks to his thick 70s hair. I'm not really sure if I agree with the hair color here, though. I always thought of Luke from A New Hope as being blonde. 
Maybe that's just coming from my memories of the banana yellow hair on my old Kenner Luke, but this hair still seems to be a couple shades too dark. They do have some coppery highlights to lighten it up a little bit, but it just doesn't seem quite right. Other than that, the paint on this figure is amazing. The little moles on his face are particularly nice touch. Similar to the Han figure, Luke's hair is swappable with another hair sculpt that is included to accommodate the two pieces of headgear that come with this one. One sculpt is the standard hairdo, while the other is sculpted helmet hair. It does look kind of amusing when he has that one on without the included helmet or hat, and even stranger when wearing no hair at all. His two scalps are held in place by a magnet, which is firmly embedded in a rectangular peg of a skull to make sure that the hair is positioned perfectly on his noggin. The standard figure comes with a nice leather belt adorned with several sculpted pouches. I would have preferred that they were made out of leather, but the paint they used matches the leather really well, so you can't really tell just by looking at them. The belt also has a couple of hooks on it so you can hang his droid collar and lightsaber hilt on it as well. Now one of my concerns with this figure was in regards to his boots. The boots that were on the Bespin Luke were just one piece of fabric that was glued onto his foot. And I was wondering how they would pull that off with Farm Boy Luke's shin wrappings. Well, what they ended up doing was doing the boots in two pieces of hard plastic. So there's a shoe that has the typical ball jointed articulation, and then the wrappings as a separate piece that meet the shoe at the ankle. And because of the way that they sculpted the bottom of the wraps, they match up really well with the shoe regardless of the angle. Now the pants that he's wearing are nothing special, but what really makes or breaks a Farm Boy Luke figure for me, especially one with soft goods, is his tunic. Some of them tend to just look like really baggy bathrobes. I'm talking to you, Hasbro Black Series. Now this one is nowhere near that baggy, but it did seem to be a little big on him at first. However, with a little pulling and molding, I was able to make it look a lot better once posed. Thankfully, the bottom hem of the tunic has a thin wire sewn in it so you can shape it exactly the way you need it to look. And thankfully, it's sewn shut at the top so you can avoid that open shirt look as well. And what really makes me happy about this figure is that it's the definitive farm boy Luke. It comes with every major accessory he wears or uses in the movie, and even some things that were left on the cutting room floor. In fact, between this and the Stormtrooper Luke, I've come to realize my favorite part about Hot Toys. It's the accessories. And Farm Boy Luke in particular has these in droves. They basically allow him to have three different looks seen throughout the movie. And due to the fact that they create unique ensembles, I'm going to break these accessories down by movie scene. Now back when I was a kid, before we had a VHS player, yeah, VHS, not DVD, VHS, the only way that I could relive A New Hope was by reading the Star Wars storybook and gazing at its full-color photographs. Now to me, the best part of this book were the pictures that were from scenes that were cut from the movie, namely the big Zankerhead scene, of course, and the original introduction to Luke as he gazed up at a mysterious space battle far above the sands of Tatooine. So images of this first outfit are ingrained in my head. This one requires just a couple of added accessories. Macro binoculars, a bucket hat, and goggles. Now, the macro binoculars have some really great detail on them and look really sharp. They've got a long clip on the bottom of them that can be used to attach it to Luke's belt as well. My only real ding that I have towards them are the two modes that they have. Apparently, real macro binoculars have a flip-up cover over the view screen. Now, instead of creating a mechanized cover, Hot Toys includes two covers in different positions that snap into the macros, one open and one shut. They look fine once in place, but it would have been nice to have a little extra bit that you can just switch back and forth depending on the pose. And unlike the Jakku First Order Stormtrooper, there is no armor to hinder Luke's articulation, and you can really get the macro binoculars right up where they need to be. He comes with a standard assortment of hands, but unfortunately none of them really grip the binoculars very well. I found that the only ones that really work are the relaxed hands that come already attached to the figure out of the box. But they have to be positioned just so in order to keep them from falling. You also get a pair of fists, a pair of lightsaber gripping hands, a stop in the name of love hand, and a left trigger hand. Strangely though, they didn't also include a right trigger hand. Next up is the hat. Now, there's really nothing special about it. They added some nice detail by putting little metal grommets on the sides, but other than that, there's really nothing to get excited about. 
I appreciate the fact that it's made of fabric as opposed to being sculpted, but the downside of that is that it's just a little bit too small for his head, even when placed on the special hat hair. And this causes a bit of a problem when trying to put the goggles on the hat. They have an elastic band that goes around the hat and head, but since the hat doesn't really go down all the way, the elastic has to be as far down on the hat as possible to keep it from slipping upwards and essentially pulling the hat off his head. It can be done, but it takes a little bit of work to get it just right. They have some nice little details sculpted into them as well, but since they are just molded in black plastic with zero paint, they aren't really all that exceptional. The blaster rifle that comes with the standard version of this figure is that really long rifle that Luke pulls off his land speeder when he and C-3PO find R2-D2 in the Jundland Wastes, and then leans it up against the rock while he spies on the Tusken Raiders. Well, there's some really nice detail on this rifle, and it's nice that they included it here, but it's really not a standout piece. Now the hat and goggles can also be combined with the poncho that's included. While I don't remember Luke wearing this at the same time as the hat, it does match those iconic publicity photos that were taken for A New Hope. And this poncho is actually really nice for what is essentially just a piece of fabric with some dark trim sewn around the edges and down the center. The colors that they chose are spot on, and again, they put a thin wire in the hem so you can easily shape it however you want. The instructions show that you need to remove Luke's head in order to get it on, but I found that if you simply remove the hair, you can still slip it over without having to completely decapitate our hero. And of course, you can also use the poncho without the hat to reenact the scene of him first approaching the Millennium Falcon in Docking Bay 94. And speaking of the Millennium Falcon, the next scene that you can replicate is probably the one that most people will choose to use for their display. Of course, I'm talking about the training remote scene. Now for this, Hot Toys made an amazing helmet with the blast shield down. While there's no detail on the inside, the paint on the outside is astounding. The paint lines are crisp, and the weathering that they added to it really adds a level of authenticity. And of course, you can't have this scene without the training remote itself. This little ball has so many little sculpted details on it that it could be considered a miniature prop replica. Again, the paint design is great too, and it comes with a clear plastic spindle that attaches to the regular base to give it a floating effect. This loot comes with two lightsaber hilts and one blade that can be swapped back and forth. Now, the theme of this figure really is versatility. Because the blade is removable, it allows you to hang one of the hilts from his belt, or you can have it ignited in his hand. The other hilt that it comes with is permanently attached to a second right arm that can be swapped out at the elbow. Now, why is it permanently attached? Well, because it has a light-up feature. Put the blade on the hilt, flip a switch by the wrist, and you get a great-looking LED-lit saber blade. Of course, the usual warnings about leaving batteries in a figure like this apply, but man, does it look sharp when it's lit. The only downside here is that it has limited wrist articulation, so if you really want to pose him with any angle to his wrist, you'll need to use the other hilt. Moving on, we have the accessories that come with the exclusive version the Stormtrooper belt, blaster rifle, and grappling hook. Now these round out the final outfit that you can have Luke wear from this box, and they really look sharp on him. The belt is the same belt that comes with the Stormtrooper figures, but it has an added clip to hold an included comlink, which has some really great detail like the textured end for the microphone. The grappling hook is basically just a little box that has a string attached to a spring-loaded hook on a stem. The spring part is a nice little detail because when the hook is in the box, it's folded up and inserted into a little ring. So when you pull it out of the ring, the hooks automatically spring open. Just a nice little detail. Now unfortunately, the instruction book does say to not try to pull the string out as you could damage it. Which was strange to me because there's a little gear on the bottom of the box that makes it look like you could be used to, you know, wind the string back up again. But we're missing a scene in between, right? Yeah, well, remember when I said that I was annoyed that a month after this figure was announced they revealed an exclusive Stormtrooper Luke figure? Well, at first my annoyance was because it was basically just going to be a head swap, right? I mean, I figured Hot Toys was just going to take the short Stormtrooper that came in the Trooper 2 pack and plop the head from Farm Boy Luke on it. And for a long time I refused to order it because I figured I could do that myself. Well, of course, then I got the Han figure and tried to do a head swap with that one and found that the head wouldn't fit the ball joint of the taller Stormtrooper. So after much debating with myself, I went ahead and ordered the Luke in Stormtrooper disguise. And boy, am I glad I did. This was one of those cases where you have the lowest of expectations going in and are completely blown away by what you actually get. Turns out, I was only partially correct. 
Yes, this does use the exact same head that was used on Farm Boy Luke. Yes, it does have the same body as the short stormtrooper from the two-pack. But, there are several subtle differences in the armor. If you remember my review of that two-pack, I said that what they did with the shorter stormtrooper was to just take the same armor from the tall stormtrooper and put it on the smaller body, which made it look like it didn't fit quite right. Mainly, the chest armor covered up most of the abdomen, so you couldn't see all the detail there because it was hidden beneath. It also led to some issues with abdominal articulation because it was so binding. Well here, they surprised me by actually making a new, shorter chest plate. So you can see all those little painted dots on his stomach and you can move him a lot easier. So that's point one that really impressed me. Next up is the helmet. Now, I guess I didn't quite read the fine print so well in the description, but I had no idea that this helmet could actually be swapped out with Luke's head. So I thought that was really nice. It comes with a little foam insert so it fits right on where it needs to go. Plus, the detail that is in this helmet is incredible. While the blast helmet that came with Farm Boy Luke has no internal detail, this one has more detail than I could have imagined. The fact that they put that much effort into something that would probably never be seen unless somebody actually picked it up and looked inside? <laughs> well done, Hot Toys. Well done. It also comes with the same belt and comlink that the exclusive Farm Boy Luke has, as well as a specific right hand for holding the comlink. And there is also the same grappling hook. But wait, what's this? You can pull the string out of this one? And you can turn that little gear to wind it back up again? <laughs> How awesome is this? Now, why they decided to not do this with the Farm Boy Luke version is beyond me. I mean, they took the exact same accessory and then took its cool factor away by gluing it in place. Seems really strange to me. I mean, if anything, you'd think that they'd reverse it. You know, have the stationary one on the Stormtrooper version, and then put the working version on the exclusive Farm Boy, since that's the outfit that actually pulls the grappling hook out. But I doubt we'll ever know. He also comes with a set of binders. Now, these are nice. I like the color that they used. And they open and shut just like you see them do in the movie. But they really don't have any use here unless you also have the Chewbacca figure to put them on. So yeah, this figure, while seeming to be just a head swap, is a welcome surprise. It's currently on waitlist over at Sideshow, and I would say that if you missed out on the Stormtroopers, which are now sold out, go get this figure. It's basically a two-in-one. You can display it either as a Stormtrooper or as Luke rescuing a princess. And the helmet is such a work of art that it, like the training remote, could be considered a miniature prop replica. And as for Farm Boy Luke, I absolutely love having options with my figures. I could display this figure in a pose from nearly any scene in the movie thanks to the great accessories it comes with. I'm so thankful that they didn't go the route of releasing a Farm Boy Luke figure, and a Desert Hat Luke figure, and a Training Remote Luke figure, and a Death Star Escape Luke figure. The fact that they were able to pack so much in really makes this figure a must-own in my opinion. I typically pick a pose for my Hot Toys and then put all the extra accessories back in the box and put it away in storage. But this is the first figure that I really want to keep all the accessories available at all times so that I can keep changing them out. The regular version is available now through Sideshow, and the exclusive version with the Stormtrooper belt, blaster, and, unfortunately, non-working grappling hook is on waitlist. And on that note, I'll hand you back to our hosts, Marjorie and Arnie. Thank you, Andrew. And also on the floor here, we did see, along with the toys, some of the old uh, roleplay items. I saw a couple uh, Han uh, blaster from Return of the Jedi still in box. Uh, a few lightsabers here and there. Still the best ones before they had to start painting them all orange. Yes, yes, the orange tips do kind of give them away. Uh, and then uh, we also saw a large poster that was from the radio dramas. That thing... Wow. I mean, it's impressive. I think this is my first time seeing it in person, which is weird. This week, I've seen two things for the first time ever, I believe. Unless maybe Duncan had the first item I'm going to talk about. But at the Toy Man Toy Show, they had the little, like, big wheel vehicle speeder bike that was given away. At a, There were only, like, I think 1,000 made, and you had to win a raffle to get it and Kid, this one was beat up, but a kid had obviously ridden it up and down the street a number of times. But I couldn't remember seeing one in person, Duncan's collection. I th I'm now thinking I saw one there, but it was so overwhelming. Yeah, I, 
I think because this one we saw was broken also, the front speeder bike part was broken off, it may not have, like, registered, you know, in your head, so. The second thing is right here, an original Star Wars radio drama poster in really decent condition. It had a couple small tears around the outside, but they'd done uh, some kind of restoration process. I believe it's a matting process that they kind of uh, back it with to keep it from tearing further. Yeah, that was a really nice piece that I would have walked away with for less than the asking of $800. Which I believe was the same price they were asking for the speeder bike. Yes. <laughs> yep, that's exactly. So maybe that's the new magic sweet spot. Yes. So uh, since we're speaking of these vintage items, let's go to Jerry with a vintage viewpoint. Hello, Star Wars Action News listeners. I'm Jerry here with my latest vintage viewpoint. Hey, before I get into my review today, I wanted to follow up on my segment from episode 418 from just over two years ago in which I was talking about the various CD soundtrack releases over the years. The Star Wars Ultimate Soundtrack Collection was released on CD and vinyl a few weeks ago. I was on a business trip when I saw the sets in a store, but I didn't pick up the CDs as I didn't want to travel back with them. But then I was disappointed because Amazon once had them for $44 during the pre-order, but now they're back to $57.67 with the albums being $204. Now, I don't think that's a bad price considering how many CDs are actually in this set, but I'm going to be patient and wait for it to drop again. Now, just as a reminder, this set includes the soundtracks for the first six films in mini-album jackets on nine CDs. The 10th CD has audio interviews with John Williams and Harrison Ford. Also included is the DVD, Star Wars A Musical Journey, which you may have picked up around the time of Revenge of the Sith when it was released on DVD. Lastly, this set includes a fold-out poster and three stickers. Now, as far as I can tell based on the video preview on Amazon, the discs are identical to previous releases. The prequel soundtracks appear to have the same disc art as their original releases, and the original trilogy soundtracks appear to be identical to the 30th anniversary CD set that are reviewed on episode 418. It seems to be the same disc art and the same mini jackets. So the only thing new about this set that I can tell is the outer packaging, the mini album jackets for the prequels, the interview CD, the fold-out poster, and the three stickers. So yeah, admittedly, I'm not too terribly excited about this, but again, if the price drops below $50, I'll get it in the name of completeness of my North American CD soundtrack collection. Now, the vinyl set seems to be the real get here, as we really haven't had anything like this released for the prequels or re-released for the original soundtracks. But for $200, I'm not too terribly interested. I don't personally have a vinyl collection, and there's no reason to start one now. So on to my review. Now, believe it or not, my review today is inspired by the upcoming release of Batman v Superman, The Dawn of Justice. Now, I'm fairly excited about this movie, and there is actually one Star Wars item that I'm going to discuss that has a unique Batman connection. For those of you who dabble in the world of Batman collecting, you may already be on to me, but I'll save the specifics of the connection for a little later. The item I'm going to discuss today is the Stormtrooper Blaster, or the Blastech E11 rifle, as it's later became known, that Kenner and Hasbro has released over the years. We first saw this style of blaster, produced by Kenner in 1978 as the three-position laser rifle. This one was unique because it had a fold-out stock that would allow you to hold the blaster in three positions. Here's what the Kenner toy catalog said about it. Authentic laser look, two-speed laser sound. Star Wars laser rifle looks and sounds real, yet it's completely safe. It has a three-position stock, giving it three different appearances. Laser battle with stock extended. Sneak attack has stock folded under barrel, making an easy carry compact rifle. Standing guard with front grip down. The secret button and hand grip energizes the motor trigger that activates a two-speed laser sound. The label inside the barrel rotates, giving a visual laser look. 2D batteries not included. Now, you may recognize this three-position stock from the fact that some of the recent Hasbro Stormtrooper and Sandtrooper figures prior to the 5POA transition actually came with a blaster that had this same three-position stock, but in the three and three-quarter inch scale. Now, one other feature of this blaster is that it had a see-through scope on top. Didn't have any crosshairs or anything in it, but it simulated a scope nonetheless. Now, in this original Star Wars release, there's no decoration on it, but rather there are two Star Wars stickers on either side of the back of the blaster. In 1980, this blaster was re-released for the Empire Strikes Back line. Now, as a transition, I suppose, I have occasionally come across 
the three-position rifle in a Star Wars box, but with Empire Strikes Back labels on the blaster. I'm not sure if this actually saw a release or if it was just some mock-up of some variety, or perhaps they just started getting those Empire Strikes Back stickers in, but had a few of the three-position laser rifles and the outer boxes available, so they just did a run out of sorts. But in general, we got a new version of the rifle that no longer had the fold-out stock that was unique to the Empire Strikes Back line. It was just a base blaster with Empire Strikes Back labels, but many of the details were now red, such as the trigger, the secret button on the handle that, by the way, actually allows the trigger to activate the electronics when you press it, and the spinning inside barrel is now red, not yellow and black as the original Star Wars release was. Now, as you may be used to seeing now, there was not a red tip on the barrels as you would see today. Those regulations didn't exist back then. There was no Return of the Jedi release of this in the vintage collecting era. I suppose that might be because instead, we got a release of the brand new Biker Scout Blaster. In contrast, the Han Solo Blaster was originally made in 1978 along with the three-position laser rifle, and it saw re-releases for both Empire and Jedi. Now, this blaster rifle mold has seen a lot of action over the years. It was first re-released in 1996 in the orange Power of the Force packaging, though this time it was molded in white with a red tip, but likewise did make electronic sounds. Though the sounds were different, and now instead of having a spinning barrel inside, it just featured lights. Now this was kind of hard to swallow since it's so different than the film version, though it was fun to pretend that it was a snowtrooper blaster, you know, screen accuracies aside. It saw another re-release in 1997 in green Power of the Force packaging, but this time it had a dark gray, black camouflage appearance. Again, not very screen accurate, but I thought it was very cool looking. We would see it again in white as a Disney Star Tours exclusive in 2003, and again in 2005 as a black clone trooper blaster for Revenge of the Sith. That one was then re-released in 2006 in Saga packaging. 2006 also had a Saga packaging version of this same blaster, but was called a Stormtrooper blaster, and the box featured two Stormtroopers instead of two clones. They were marketed at the same time. In fact, the back of the packaging for one of those items referenced the other. Now, since they were out simultaneously, they actually had different deco schemes. The Clone Trooper blaster is all black with some weathering deco, whereas the Stormtrooper one is clean but has a black and gray two-tone appearance. It's probably actually my favorite modern version in terms of gun deco and packaging aesthetic. Then another white version came out in 2009 in Legacy Packaging, which itself was directly re-released in new packaging in 2011. By that I mean the 2009 and 2011 versions seem to have the exact same black and red highlights on a white molded blaster. Then the Star Tours one was re-released in new packaging in 2012. Now that is a bunch of re-releases, and you have to forgive me, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if I missed one or two of them here or there. But what a great testament to the quality of design that this original vintage item had in terms of its aesthetic and toy appeal to be remade so many times with what I can tell to be very few, if any, changes. Now on eBay, I find that many of these are fairly pricey in new packaging. I see them everywhere from $35 to $100. Loose ones, of course, are less depending on how used they are. Vintage ones are very tough to come by, either packaged or even just in good condition. For a mint and boxed vintage one, I would expect to pay a few hundred dollars. So wait, what does this have to do with Batman? Well, recall, Kenner made Batman toys not only during the Superpowers line in the 80s, but also starting with the 1990 Dark Knight collection, which followed the 1989 Michael Keaton Batman film. In that line, we actually saw a toy called the Batman Sonic Neutralizer that was indeed a recycled Stormtrooper blaster. Now, I was a big fan of the 1989 Batman film, and I saw this blaster on the back of the action figure cards, but I never remember seeing it in stores. I would have absolutely have gotten it if I had ever seen it. However, fortunately, a few years later, I came across a fairly used one at a yard sale. It was just a few bucks, and I simply had to have it. Now, it's completely recognizable as a Stormtrooper blaster. It's, it's molded in black and has dark metallic gold trim on the trigger, the safety button, and the inside barrel. And of course, a Batman emblem where the Star Wars stickers used to be, but all that does nothing to hide its origins. The oddest part of the recycle, though, is the bright orange Batman emblem that you're supposed to place on the tip of the barrel. Because this clearly isn't a rifle. Batman doesn't use guns. So it must require some parabolic dish to send out the paralyzing sonic waves or something like that. 
I came across one of these on eBay a little while back that had very little bidding interest, and I was able to get it new in packaging for just $20 shipped. Now, the box wasn't in really good shape, but it cleaned up all right. And the blaster itself, because it's exposed in the package, did have some scuffs on it, but overall, it was a great buy. So hopefully this review will bring back fond memories of a great vintage toy and at the same time get you excited for one of the first superhero blockbuster movies of the season. Well, thanks for listening. I'll send you back to Arnie and Marjorie. And remember, we really do care. Because I'm Batman. Thank you, Jerry. I completely agree. The the soundtracks, they're there for the vinyl, right? I mean, they're not really there for the CD. I bought the CD. I pre-ordered with the pre-order price guarantee from Amazon, so I got it for the 44 Also, a cool Batman connection there. And if I may plug, a week from tomorrow, Stuart, Jacob, and I will be reviewing Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice over at NowPlayingPodcast.com. Comes out this weekend. I'm cautiously optimistic and excited to see it. Finally this week, Marjorie, you got something a little bit Disney, a little bit plushy. I did, and it sounds like it's some kind of strange country song. A little less conversation, a little more zoom zoom? Zoom zooms. Yes, Disney sent me some zoom zooms, and here I'm going to tell you all about them. Also this week, we're taking a look at a Disney store exclusive. Zoom Zooms. We're going to talk about Zoom Zooms, Arnie. What what's? Zoom Zooms. Stack Stacks. Okay. Now, you've seen these at the Disney store. Those little tiny tubular little plushies with the beanie bottoms. They've had the different Disney characters, and recently they released Star Wars characters. Now, I've seen some of these of the Disney characters like on end caps at Target, but the Star Wars ones I've only seen at Disney stores. Yes, they come out at the Disney stores and they have what's called Zoom Zoom Tuesday. And it's the first and third Tuesdays where they do release new ones for the, the different lines. So these are kind of fun. And as I said before, it's Zoom Zoom. I know we've called it some some and I've heard people call it to Zoom to Zooms. It's Zoom Zoom, which means stack in Japanese or a variation of it. Yes, it says on the tag, originally from Japan, these Tsum Tsum stackable plush come in your favorite Star Wars characters. Collect them all to build a tower of cute and cuddly friends. And that's exactly what you do. These are made to be stacked. So I've got them like in a little pyramid shape here on the desk and you know, they do just fine on their own, just kind of like hanging out on a shelf too. I like that they stack because one of the problems I have with the plushes I collect is I run out of desk space. I have a ton of my nightstand. I've got them stashed all over in our bedroom. I will admit we have one area that looks like that scene from E.T. with all the stuffed animals and E.T.'s like hiding in the middle of it and you can't even tell. Yeah, I need to go back to the 80s and get one of those cargo nets and hang that up from the corner of my room to hold on my plushes. You know what I'm talking about if you're of a certain age. <laughs> I can't remember the name of the store, but those cargo nets were hit. So the first 12 of these are really great. You've got your characters, which I consider the must-haves for Star Wars. I don't know about you, Arnie, but I think these are the must-haves. For original trilogy, certainly. Yes. Oh, absolutely. You've got Luke and Leia. And then if you've got Luke and Leia, you need a Han and a Chewie. And then you need a Vader and a Stormtrooper. And you can't forget the droids. You need a 3PO and an R2. Then you've also got Yoda... You've got Boba Fett, an Ewok, which I think is wicked, but it doesn't really say. Yeah, with the headdress and everything, it's wickety. And I've got Jabba. The one I would think is a major enough character, the only one not there from the original trilogy, Lando. Oh, yeah, I could see that. But for obvious reasons, they do seem to focus more on non-human characters, the Han and Luke and Leia are the only human faces here, and you're not exactly going for likeness or even details like noses. No, but look at the little Chewy. He looks like a little caterpillar. Isn't he cute? And he's so soft, such Chewy. Because of the tubular nature and everything, it looks like a Yorkie head. It does look like a Yorkie, yes, but it's super cute. Well, like Yorkies. Yes, like Yorkies, yes. I do suggest, though, if you're going to keep these and stack them and collect them, I would cut the tags off, which I know is <gasps> kind of a sin. I don't know. I'm just acting how I imagine Beanie Baby people do back then, <laughs> because I know 
I know from the 90s, there was a big thing. My sister would sell Beanie Babies on eBay. And if that tag had a slight bend or if the tag was missing, oh no, you wouldn't get anything for them. So <laughs> I just assume I've actually taken that and I don't cut the tags off any of my plushes. No, you don't. It looks like mini Pearl in our house, which like four people are going to get that. The tag is bigger than the small ones. That's the only reason why I was going to say to cut it off, because it's a little weird to stack them because of the tag. And I think it's meant to be cut off because it doesn't have any character information. It just has Sum Sum information. It has some information. Ha! Do they stack well? They actually do. Once you finagle the tags on the bottom layer, they do stack really well, because I always thought they needed to be stacked on top of each other. Like a tower? Yes. Because, I don't know, I guess I just think that way. But they stack very well to make little pyramids, which is great for storage of plushes. Now, they do come in three different sizes. You've got the minis, which retails for around $6. You've got a medium size, which actually is a lot bigger than the small ones. And that's $13. And then there's a ginormous one that is around $25. Now, the ginormous one, pretty big. My chihuahua can use it as a dog bed. And we don't have small chihuahua. No, no, I have about a 13-pound chihuahua. He's got long legs, okay? And he could use that as a dog bed. But we only have the small ones here, which is good if you want to collect them all. Because I've been in that situation, like with holiday greeters, wanting to have them all when they're big. That is a space issue. It is, yeah. No, these are the perfect size for collectible. You know, at Christmas, they're going to make great stocking stuffers, too. Or great just little itty-bitty gifts for people, that kind of thing. Fantastic. Which is your favorite? Hmm, I really, really love Chewbacca and the Ewok because they've got buck teeth. I know that's the silliest thing, but they have personality and they're super cute. The Jabba just looks like he's displeased with you for some reason. He's making this face like, "Mm, girl, I can't believe you got that. I kind of like the metallic fabric they used on the 3PO, though. The 3PO and the R2 are really good because they do have that shiny fabric. And they all have like a... A feltish, suede bottom so that when you stack, they don't slide. So the bottoms are a little different. Yeah, nobody likes a slidey bottom. No. So I think these are really great. I, you know, had been kind of like, oh, I don't know if I need these because I've got so many plushes in my life right now. And I I really like these. And I really want to thank our friends at Disney for sending them to us because I now maybe all in on these. Well, that is good to know. We, at least, like you say, can stack them on your desk upstairs. And so with that, we will head back and bring you more from C2E2. All right, so that is it from us at C2E2. Daryl, again, great seeing you. Hope we get to see you at Indiana in a month. I'll try to be there. Yep, because Marjorie and I, Saturday night at 7 p.m., are hosting a showing of George Lucas's other great sci-fi adventure, Howard the Duck. Yes, it's gonna be exciting. This is the 30th anniversary of Howard the Duck, and we're gonna show it. We're gonna have some special gifts for some people in the audience. You may bring some of your Howard the Duck stuff. We're still deciding on what we can transport, and you're gonna get to watch Howard the Duck, and maybe have a sing-along to the end. Oh, a sing-along to the Thomas Dolby song, Oh, that would be amazing. I don't know if we'll actually pull that off, but that would be great. But yeah, like the first 50 people are going to get unopened Howard the Duck trading cards with gum. Don't eat the gum. Don't eat the gum. No, I actually ate the gum once, and I can tell you don't eat the gum. I'm pretty sure it's still in my stomach. And Leah Thompson is at the convention. She's going to be signing autographs there. So what a better way to celebrate Howard's 30th than with a showing Saturday night at Indiana Comic-Con in Indianapolis. So we hope to see you there. That's our show for this week, and we'll see you later. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can be on the next episode of Star Wars Action News by calling our voicemail at 415-508-JEDI or sending an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at SWActionNews.com. All materials submitted are subject to use on our show. We want your feedback on Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at SWActionNews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums 
at SWActionNews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can also find Star Wars Action News on Facebook and Twitter. The links to our social media sites are at SWActionNews.com. You can see more videos and reviews by subscribing to the Star Wars Action News YouTube channel. You can find the link from our homepage. If you enjoyed the show, please post about Star Wars Action News on Facebook, Twitter, or your social media network of choice, or just tell a friend about the show. We would also greatly appreciate a five-star written review on iTunes. A link to our iTunes feed is at SWActionNews.com. If you also enjoy Marvel Comics, you can hear Arnie and Marjorie talk about the toys and statues based on Marvel Comics characters on the Marvelicious Toys podcast at MarveliciousToys.com. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, edited, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. Star Wars Action News podcast video enhancement by Andrew, Daryl, and Barrett. Star Wars Action News website designed by Jason. Photo editing by Scott. Graphic design by Jay. Associate produced and announcements by Brock. Segments hosted by Jerry, Jonathan, Brock, Nathan, and Steve. For more Star Wars collecting, please check out GalacticHunter.com, JediDefender.com, JediTempleArchives.com, and YakFace.com. And we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. The show is created by Star Wars fans showing their love of Star Wars. Star Wars and all the Star Wars universe contains is trademark and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company, all rights reserved. Star Wars Action News is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2016, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Until next time, may the pegs be stopped and the force be with you. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting. So I've got them like in a little pyramid shape here on the desk. And, you know, they do just fine on their own. Just kind of like hanging out on a shelf too. Like Hamburger Helper? Yes. Does just fine on its own. Yeah. <laughs>